Hey guys, and welcome to season four of the Yes People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rox, and in this season, we get to remember and reminisce back in time with some of our guests like... Hey, we are Entity. And you're listening to... The Us People podcast. With Savia Rox. Peace. My name is Oni. I'm a producer engineer from Queens, New York. Hi, my name is James Green. I'm a TV presenter, sports reporter and journalist. Hi, this is Joy Langley, and I'm the author of Navigating Stress. Hey, this is Travis Glossop. I am a creative radio your producer for KISS FM and you're listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. We highlight the strengths of our coaches talking about diversity and inclusion and speaking out loud and proud about who we are. It was never that good. I was I was determined. I had a love for the sport and that always fuels me. At 49, I was seven seven years post-divorce after 22 years and three kids of a marriage. And so I knew that I needed to figure out like what was happening for me and why was this so such a severe sort of uh, crack in my identity and how I showed up in the world. It's great. It's great. Because uh, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't really work that hard at uni. So it was good to leave uni and, and really like get on it, you know, really like, because I also as a person, I think I value, I value productivity. A lot of people live to work. I think I am one of the work to live guys, but because my work is amazing, that's all right with me. You know, so as a person, I, I go to bed happy when I've had a productive day. We've also saved the best till last by honouring another artist and showcasing their talent as our new theme song with none other than your host, Savia Rocks, featuring in their song. So guys, enjoy, stay creative and as always, please continue to be kind to one another. Let's go. Hi, my name is Kimadel Randall and I'm a consultant, speaker and author and you're listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Ask People Podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rocks, and today I am abundantly humbled to have the beautiful Kim here with me. She is a business consultant, international best-selling author, international keynote speaker, and a beautiful, proud mother. Kim, thank you so much for taking your time to come on the Ask People Podcast. How are you? Oh, Savia, thank you so much for having me. I can't tell you how humbled and grateful I am um, to be having this conversation with you and being part of your amazing show. So thank you. No, you're more than welcome. Like I said, it always works both ways. Kim, my first question for you is, could you tell me about yourself of where you grew up, but also how that influenced you to be the person who you are today? Yeah, thank you. So, so I, I grew up, I was very blessed in that I had, uh, I grew up into, into a family who worked for themselves. Oh, so it was a really, really strong <clears throat> work ethic. Um, I got my first job at 10, uh, cleaning my dad's salon, uh, my dad's showroom actually, he had, a, he had a kitchen showroom. And then I got my first proper job that I saw when I was 12. I wanted to be a hairdresser, I always wanted to be a hairdresser. 
And at 12, I got my Saturday job and that was it. I was in my dream life. Um, and I remember leaving school at um, 16, much to my teacher's disgust, who wanted me to stay on and do A-levels. And I was like, no, I want to be a hairdresser. I got my apprenticeship, I um, did my apprenticeship, and then I set my own business up at 18. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, the world, everything, all my dreams have come true. Everything is where it needs to be. And then life sometimes throws us a plot twist. And mm-hmm. I think one of my early ones, um, so I was 23 when I lost the feeling in my hands and legs. And we didn't know what it was, but it turned out I'd become severely allergic to perm lotion, which in the 90s was a problem because couldn't really be in a salon without a perm. And it was so bad that I couldn't even be there when other people permed. So I had to give up my salon. I sold it to the girl who worked for me. She still runs it to this day. And I got a 16 hour a week temporary cashier's role at the bank while I worked out what on earth do you do when the thing you thought you were going to do isn't for you. Um, And then life did what life does. It threw the old plot twist. So I got this temporary job. My first marriage broke down and I needed it to be permanent. I threw myself into work and it's awful because I now talk to people about their plan. I never had a plan. I don't think I've got one now. (laughs) That's not a bad thing. Meander through life going, Oh, well, I don't know. Let's just see what's the worst that can happen. What what can I do? So I spent the next 27 years in corporate life. Uh, I worked my way up to the board, convinced that people were going to turn around and go, put the hairdresser on the board. That's a bit awkward. <laughs> and they never did. And they still haven't done it today. They still have me on boards globally. Um, but I was convinced that they would think that because I didn't have the um, qualifications. I didn't have the things on paper that said that I should do the jobs that I did. And so I would constantly find myself lacking. But I was very fortunate in that I worked with lots of people who saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. Um, and, And so I was very, very lucky. I managed to get lots of jobs where people would take me with them. You know, I mean, you think if they met me, that they wouldn't spend any more time with me. Oh, anyway, just take me with them and go, like, can you come in here and do that again? Um, I remember one particular one. Uh, so I'd worked for this gentleman. He was the CEO for a big a global accounting software company. And I'd been his UK head of sales. And the reason why that's important is he rang me up and he was like, okay, I've got to work with this company. So we've just had the biggest fine in UK history. Wow. And I said, okay. Uh, He said, we've been put under what they call a VVOP, which is a voluntary variation of permissions. It's not voluntary at all. It basically means the regulator does not trust you and they will not let you sell. Wow. And I was like, right, okay. He said, so I want you to come in and do customer transformation. And I was like, okay. So I've got a 20-year CV in sales and you want me to sit in front of the financial services regulator and convince them that I can do customer service transformation for an organization that cannot sell anymore. He was like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I remember going for this interview, this panel interview, and I, and I got the job. And then 
seven months late, later, no lie, they um, the board decided to um, swap the structure. We'd had to restructure a couple of times and put in a managing director. And he came to see me and he was in stitches. And I was like, what are you laughing at? And he said, oh, he's, we told them that we thought you would be the ideal candidate for the MD. And I said, all right. I said, and what's so funny? He said, they all turned around and went, I think she's great, but can she sell? And he said, we had to laugh because we were like, she's got a 20-year career in sales and she sold you guys on the fact she does customer services. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly can sell. And I was like, brilliant. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but I guess it, it kind of just got you to those points where I think my greatest lessons in leadership, and I, I say this a lot in, in what I write about, what I talk about, my greatest lessons in leadership came from hairdressing and parenting. Yes. Go to hairdressing first. And I was taught as a hairdresser that you should listen to understand what's really important to the person in front of you. You should try and help them achieve whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. And you should have them leave you feeling the very best version of themselves. That's so that they sense. deal with a, a feeling of increase as a result of interacting with you. Yeah. And if you do that, that's leadership. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, we've, we've all had those people that, you know, that come into the salon um, and, you know, they've got, they've got a picture of somebody who's got amazing loads and loads of hair and bless their soul, they've got three hairs and a knit and they're like, you know, it was like mine. I look like, be like, <laughs> I'm good, I'm not that good. <laughs> We're going to have to work through, like, you know, what is the art of the possible with the hair that you've got and the hair that you, you aspire to have? Um, but a lot of that was helping people see where their strengths lay. Yes. Where yeah. they could be the most beautiful version of themselves rather than highlighting the, to them the fact that they'd got areas where they weren't able to achieve that look that way. Mm -hmm. And that was also a massive lesson in leadership, which is not to underline the things that don't work for somebody, but to underline the things that work well, to shine a light on the beauty that they hold within them until they can hold it within themselves. I love that. That makes so much sense. I was laughing at the big hair part because mine is like, oof. <laughs> I think everyone knows that now. <laughs> I have three hairs in a neck, so I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, what the que The next question I have, which coincides with what we've just been talking about, will go into more depth about who you are as a person. So, my question for you, Kim, is can you define yourself as a person but who do you see when you look in the mirror but on the flip side of that question and I know you're gonna have a beautiful answer for this has there ever been a time where you have looked in the mirror and not recognized the person staring back at you how did you manage to say to yourself that I am going to be consistent with who I am and be the person that I want to be oh wow what a great question and um Forgive me, such a touching question. So um, I did my TEDx last year, uh, and in my TEDx I share a particularly personal story mm -hmm. about potentially not surviving my child when she was nine months old. And it was heartbreaking. But it was a massive pivotal moment for me because I realised that I'd spent a lot of years not liking who I was. 
Um, and I've yet to meet a woman that can put mascara on without looking in the mirror. So it's a heartbreaking reality that every day, you know, you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror. And if you don't like what you see, that's an awful place to be. Yeah. And <clears throat> I remember going and, and when I realized that I needed to go and work on whatever it was that I was saying about myself, because our children don't learn by what they do. They learn by what we say and how we show up. And so if I wanted my little girl to grow up, to see the beauty in her, to see her kindness, to see her spirit, to see the the light that she shines on the world, I had to dig deep and find if there was any light I shone on the world first. And I'm quite ashamed to say now, looking back, that I remember sitting in this room and the first thing they asked me to do was say three things that I appreciated about myself. And it was the most excruciating 45 minutes of my life. And I couldn't come up with anything. And everything I came up with was like, I've got great family. It's not about you. I've got great friends. It's not about you. I've got an amazing daughter. It's not about you. And after 45 minutes of sitting there rocking, thinking, I, I need an answer. <laughs> I need an answer. I eventually managed. I've got fairly okay eyes. I've got fairly okay eyes. And now I look back at that woman and I have huge empathy for the disconnect. And I recognize it, it, it was me. Um, and I think back over the years of things that have happened in my life. And at the time, I was so disconnected from me that um, what I saw was not what everybody else saw. And I think this is true of, of so many people. I, I remember being given my first ever coach. And they came in, and I, at the time, I, I'd got a big global job. I think I, my target was 150 million, so it was fairly decent size. And this coach sat with me, and he went, look, him, tell me about, you know, tell me about what's going on. And I was like, oh, I'm hopeless. I can't do my job. And he was like, okay, do you have any facts? I was like, no, but I know. In here, I know that I don't know how to do my job. And he was like, right, okay. Are there any facts that tell me that you might be quite good at your job? No. None. And he was like, wow. okay. No. Can I give you some facts? And I was like, please do. I mean, yeah, I literally have my knees here. I need somebody to help me. And he was like, okay. He said, so you have just hit your fourth consecutive quarter of double-digit growth. And I went, yeah, that's true. And he was like, right, okay. And... Your engagement scores for your people are higher than the five-year global aspiration. And I went, yeah, yeah, that's true as well. And he went, you've just been given leader of the year. No, yeah. He said, so when those facts, do you think you might be good at your job? I went, no, I just don't think, I think they were just being kind. I think they were just being kind. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I was so disconnected, Savia. It was painful, painful. Um, so he got me to do something that I recommend people to do if you get the chance. So you had to go and find people that you knew and trusted. Mm -hmm. So not people that were just going to be kind to you, but people that you knew and trusted. And say, as part of my development, I'm trying to understand the areas that I might be strong in and the areas where maybe I get in my own way. Um, and it's probably worth noting to anybody listening, at this point I'm living in the 36th house I've lived in since I left home at 21 
So I've moved a lot. Um, and so when I went and asked people, their, their feedback almost unanimously was I was brave and fearless. And I was like, I don't get that. I live in fear every day, fear that they're going to find out I'm just a hairdresser, fear that they're going to realise I'm hopeless, fear that actually should be not what people expect. Um, and, and I was like, you're going to have to explain it to me. I don't understand brave and fearless. And they said, you will literally up sticks and move somewhere that you do not know anybody for a job you're not even convinced you can do. And we think that's brave and fearless. And I was like, interesting. I thought it was flighty and a little bit stupid. No. So my projection to the rest of the world of their view of my life was flighty and a little bit stupid. Their view of the exact same life, the exact same situation was brave and fearless. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I wonder what would happen if I borrowed your labels instead of mine. I wonder what my life would be like if I decided that in every decision I was being brave and fearless, not flighty and stupid. And where would my life take me? And and it set me off on that journey that says we live in a world of polarity. For every up, there's a down. For every left, there's a right. And so for what we believe is flighty and a little bit stupid, somebody else will believe is brave and fearless. And we get to choose which one of those labels we're going to cling to. And what an amazingly uplifting opportunity to change our view of the world. See, this is what I like to hear. Stories like that, that change the perception of how people think and feel about themselves, which is so, so important. And it's amazing because I talk about vulnerability a lot on the show. I also talk about success, which we're going to get into in a second, but vulnerability is a strength where Kim I find that people feel like vulnerability is a weakness like when I am vulnerable I feel like I'm weak for some reason like you just said and that's not true at all vulnerability is an abundant strength that guides us to where we need to be and the reason why we need to be there so that we can learn take that with us and evolve it's so true because every single person on the in the world is vulnerable about something yeah and the thing is we're so scared of being vulnerable and yet the minute that we are vulnerable we give people the strength to step into their vulnerability mm-hmm. and, and i remember doing a, a speech a couple of years ago now and, and i stood up in front of this massive room of people i was standing room only and i was like i, I want to run away i don't want to be here I, i've got nothing to say um and so I remember saying to this audience, I was like, do you know what? Every fibre of my body is telling me to get off this stage and run as fast as I can. And I can't do that for two really good reasons. I can't run very fast in these shoes. And I will never come back from this because my name and my picture is plastered all over the brochure, all over the event. So you will always know me as the woman that ran away. So I can't do that. But I can give myself permission to share with you that that's how I feel. And in doing so, hope that I quieten the inner voice long enough to tell you what I'm here to tell you. Um, And I had people come up afterwards and they said, you stood there in this bright red dress with this massive smile on your face and bright red lipstick, looking like nothing in the world has ever bothered you. And yet when you said that, we knew you meant it. Yeah. But 
but we're all vulnerable. We're all perfectly imperfect. And we're chasing this ridiculous notion that there's perfection really. And yet, once we create a safe space for us to be vulnerable, that's where we we truly grow. That's where we find our inner beauty. Because it it's through, I believe we only grow through our pain if we go through our pain. So you've got to go into those depths. You've got to go into those moments. And, you know, there's been times in my life where I remember, you know, talking to friends about at my most melodramatic um and we all have a melodramatic moment we do love it don't we? being laid on the kitchen floor thinking i don't know how to breathe well clearly i know how to breathe i'm still here breathing I mean, it was it was a moment of utter melodram- melodramaticness and yes it might have been breakdown of my marriage i've got surgery coming up i'd just become a single mum i felt very overwhelmed but in that moment, I was like, I don't know how to get, I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to breathe. And then I was very fortunate. My little girl is my North Star. And she cried. And she was 11 months old at the time. And I remember thinking, you've got to get up off the floor. She didn't ask for this. Yeah. You don't get to break down. So she needs you to go and look after her. And she does not need you in this level of mess. So get yourself up, brush yourself down and go and be a mum. And then I came up with one of the worst coping strategies that I've heard of for a long time. So I worked out that if I started crying at 8 p.m., as long as I finished crying by 2 in the morning, nobody would know because it was in between my daughter's feeds and it was long enough to sleep afterwards that I didn't look like I'd been stuck around the face with a wet fish when I went into work. So I went into work and at the time I was interim CEO for a company that had no idea that my marriage broke down a week before and that I was facing surgery a week later because I didn't tell them any of that. Um, And I carried on this coping mechanism for four months. Um, And it got me through. It got me through surgery. It got me through becoming a single mum. It got me through running that organisation. Until all of a sudden you're so far past the trauma that you look back and realize you've survived. Um, And I guess my learning from that was that in the stormy sea of my mind, when things are going wrong, sometimes I just need a life raft. Mm -hmm. I need that one piece of water that I can cling to. Mm -hmm. But when the rest of it makes no sense, when the rest of it is outside of my control, I can control the one thing. And in doing that, it... Some days that was just adulting well for 12 hours. But in adulting well for 12 hours, all of a sudden, the problem is in the distance and you've come through it and you've learned lots. Um, whereas when we're in it, can't see the wood for the trees often, can you? No, because there's too much fogging, fogging yeah. the distance that we're trying to get through it. We're absolutely trying to get through it. And nobody... It's funny how our poker face is so great. It's it's true. I had a, a friend at the time who said to me, I can't decide if you're incredibly strong or incredibly stupid. And I, went, I wouldn't put a label on it, lovely. I'm probably both in equal parts. Um, I'm too strong to ask for help and too stupid to realise I need it. Yeah, uh, yes. Way through. Um, and until I'm in a better place, God to let me get through it. Yeah. Um, because that that's that's what I need. And I think one of the greatest gifts that we give somebody is 
listening without giving them a solution. Mm. It's really hard to just listen to somebody, to give them the space without feeling like we can leap in and give them a solution. But the minute we do leap in and give them a solution, we make them feel like they should have been able to solve it for themselves because we solved it so easily. Um, So inadvertently in our drive to make them feel better, we make them feel worse. Um, and when we see it all the time, you know, I, I see it all the time with people where they'll go, oh, I know how you feel. Well, no, you don't. You're not going through what I'm going through. You're not there. So even if you've been through the same, you don't know how they feel. So, you know, one of the greatest lessons I learned in communication was to be able to say to people, I can't begin to imagine what you're going through because I can't. I might have gone through divorces. I might have gone through um, losing people that are important to me. I might have gone through a miscarriage, but if I come across somebody who's gone through the same, I will never say to them, I know what it feels like, because I don't. I'm not you. I can't imagine what you're going through, but I can hold the space. Yeah. I can yeah. sit with you mm-hmm. while you tell me. I love the way you said that. And, and hopefully that will give you comfort, mm-hmm. if not now, in time. That's a beautiful way to say it. I love the way you just said that last sentence. That's awesome. I want to get to know more about how your day is because after 36 moves, you have a beautiful daughter, you know, you've been through almost thinking that you are not going to have the abundant time with your daughter that you clearly deserve from, you know, transitioning over and being a great salesperson that you are, finding your strength and confidence See, this is a book already. Finding your strength and confidence of who you are. Let's get to know Kim. When I say, I would love to know what a day in Kim's life is like from the morning that you wake up and when you transition through your day as your daily tasks set you till the evening. What is your day like, Kim? I'm now so, so grateful for the life I have. So I'm so very blessed. I have my, um, it's just me, my little girl and my dog, as you know, because he's sat behind me. And I've managed to create a life that allows me to do the get up and the school run with her. So we get up, we do what we're grateful for. We sit and have breakfast and we play school. Um, Three mornings a week, I have one of her little friends come round and I take them to school as well. Um, and we do that. We do the school run, and then I come back and I work. Um, and it's split between working with clients. So I do some um, consulting, uh, and I'm writing my sixth book. So I do some time writing my sixth book, um, or doing some speaking. Uh, and then uh, I get the joy, and it is a joy every day of going on the school run to pick her up, and to hear about a day, and to hear all the bits that she's learned, all the things she's proud of. And then we, so so between sort of like three and seven, that's our time. So we'll make dinner. I have a, I have two of her friends um, over one night each for their tea. So I help their parents out with after school. Uh, we take her to gymnastics or wraparound care. She has me play teacher sometimes for five hours solid. Um. 
but I love it. I watch her do shows, watch her put all of those things on. And then I'm very blessed. A lot of my clients at the moment are based outside of the UK. So I've got clients in America, Australia, and New Zealand, which means I can work um, when it's my evening. So she's asleep, as she is now, so she's fast asleep upstairs, and I can work, or I can do podcasts, or I can talk to people. And it means I get to be really selfish about my time with her. Because I had to wait until I was 43 to have my little girl. I didn't think I could have kids. Um, So now we've got her. I couldn't be more grateful for every minute I get to spend with her. Um, And that's part of my joy is is how do I help her to realise the impact she can have on the world, to see the sunshine that she passes on wherever she goes and to teach her the joys of gratitude and kindness and courage of stepping out there and doing the things you think you can't do because you usually can. Um, so so I'm, I just feel extremely blessed and I, I thank the Lord every day that I was granted this life. Um, but I think our life I often say, you know, life only makes sense when when we look at it through the rear view mirror. Yes. And I've realized in life that everything is either a lesson or blessing or both. And if I don't feel blessed, I should look for the lesson because it's probably there. And at the point that I learn the lesson, the blessing will come. Um, and so I try and build that into my day in those moments where and, and yeah, don't get me wrong, sometimes you can be there going, really? We're going to listen to that song for the 73rd time in a row? But seeing the sheer joy that she has in it, or the moments of flourish, or the the second when your child comes in and me do becomes me did, are just priceless moments. And I think sometimes we're so busy trying to fit into the despair and compare society that unfortunately we currently live in, that we forget to realise the real perfection is in the imperfection. Yes. I, I was saying to me the other day, you know, it's like we do live in a despair and compare society. And funnily enough, you know, my gift to the world is I do not do the no makeup selfie when I've been a porn out with Scarlett because nobody needs to see that, but it happens. Um, And I don't post when I've burnt dinner because I got carried away playing schools. But again, it happens because sometimes when we're really present in life, things don't go the way we expected them to go. And I think once we can live and embrace that and laugh at it and, and look at those parts that go, you know, it used to really bother me. I'm nearly 50. It used to bother me when I go to school that people would think I was a grandma or that she'd be ashamed of me or she'd be embarrassed because I am not the same age as all the other mums. My little girl, bless her, looks at me in the same way children around the world look at their parents. Exactly. She thinks that we're like twins. We're the oddest twins, Savia, that like Schwarzenegger and DeVito. <laughs> I'm I'm nearly 50, she's six. Um, But she's convinced that we are. And it's like in all the ways that matter, in the ways of the heart, in the ways of the head, we really are. And and the rest of it isn't for anybody else to have an, well, they can have an opinion on it, but they can't change it because it comes from what's important and it comes from that connection, I think. I think people are always going to have a judgment. I think that's, that's naturally. And I find 
and it was just something that I wrote today and I sent out to everyone. People will always have a judgment. And have you ever noticed that the people are ju- who are judging you are usually the ones that have the lowest self-esteem in themselves. So they will look to judge you and not look at their reflection of who they are in the mirror to understand who they are first. Because it's a lot easier to judge somebody else than judge yourself. <laughs> It's, it's so true. We, we project out our biggest fear. The greatest fear we have is that the things that we worry other people are going to say about us will ever get played back to us as feedback. Why we never ask for feedback? Because we don't want to be proven right. Um, and so instead, we reflect our own projections onto other people. Yes. Uh, and you know, one of the things I said to my little girl, she, she, was, um, she had some people that were being kind to her, um, and children sadly can be unkind. Yeah. And I'm saying to her, I was like, well, I wonder if they're sad. And she went, what do you mean, mummy? I said, well, when you're sad, you sometimes lash out, don't you? And she's like, yes, mummy. Maybe they're sad. Maybe the next time that they're unkind to you, you should ask them if they need a cuddle. Yeah. And so she did. So she came back the next day and she went, mummy. So-and-so was mean to me today. And I said, what happened? She went, I said, would you like a cuddle? I said, what happened? And he went, should he thought about it? And he went, yes, please. We had a cuddle and then we carried on and we played. I said, that's it. All of us sometimes can't explain what's going on inside. And so we project it outside. And all we really want is for somebody to give us the space to say, you don't have to explain. You don't have to tell us what's going on. You don't have to justify your existence. I can just give you a cuddle. Um, and that will be fine. Because we all need that sometimes. You, you know, I always, I sometimes say, Scott, she can't tell me what's going on with her emotions. So I'm like, do you want a cuddle? And she's like, yeah. yes, mummy. Let's just have a cuddle. Because sometimes that's all you need is somebody to give you that permission to not have to justify in any way whatever's going on in your world not have to talk about it not have to label it not have to explain it but just sit with it and unfortunately that's uncomfortable for a lot of us to sit with somebody else's uncomfortability and not want to label it or justify it or solve it I mean, how often do we listen to people and immediately want to solve their problems? Well, all that really happens is we make them think that they were daft enough to not know the answer themselves because we can solve it in seconds. So it's like, you go, oh, my God, I can solve that problem. Should have come to me yesterday. Um, and all that actually makes them do is think, well, maybe I'm a bit stupid because yeah. I couldn't. And I've been worrying about this for days. Whereas sitting with them in that problem and having the act of listening to understand not to interject so listening just to say what's it like in your world tell me how it feels what's going on I can't imagine what that must be like for you and not solve it is an act of love because we can only do that for the people that we care the most about in the world and don't get me wrong we then try and solve it for them immediately afterwards but we've all got those people in our lives that have had something happen to them that we couldn't solve. And so all we could do was be there. Yeah. And that is perhaps our greatest gift of love. I love that. That's something that I'll take with me. 
Most definitely. So let's talk about what you feel are the failures when it comes to developing and communication. Communication is one of the biggest things that we have as humans to be able to connect with each other. There are so many things that have taught us that COVID and so on and so forth. But what do you feel are the failures of developing communication, confidence, elevating performance, but becoming a recognized leader, but also not having a boundary within yourself to understand that having a struggle is not a bad thing, but also to have fulfillment in the struggle to get to where you need to. Such a great question. And I think for me, one of the biggest barriers to communication is we've lost the art of listening to understand. We listen only to interject. So so what happens is we get so uncomfortable with the silence that we know that when you stop speaking, I'm going to have to start. So I start to anticipate when you're going to stop so I can start thinking about what I'm going to say. Yep. Because as soon as you stop, I've got to start. And heaven forbid, there'd be a moment where you went, wow, I'd not thought of that. And now here's my answer. Um, Because then I'm genuinely listening to you. Um, I think when it comes to leadership, particularly, we are so wedded to being right rather than the right thing being done that we immediately want to put our view on the world Um, and so one of the things that I try and really engage with is passionate curiosity with myself and others so when somebody says something and we immediately leap to judgment it's how we are hardwired neuroscientifically our brains work this way so somebody says something and we immediately go well that's not right or that is right we we make judgment and so what I now try and do is go interesting I wonder why I think that that's right or wrong. I wonder why they think that's right or wrong. I've never thought of it like that. Could you help me understand how you came to that conclusion? I may still not agree with them at the end, but I'm going to learn something on the journey. Yeah. So changing some of those words. I mean, we, we, we talk, and I love Simon Sinek's work. I love it. Um, but personally, if I could, I'd ban the word why. Because why comes with the level of judgment? If you think about it from when you were a child, why did you do that? Why did you why did you say that? Why did you think that was a good idea? It's never coming from a position of curiosity. It's always coming from a position of judgment. If instead you went for, huh, what makes that important? How would that impact on somebody else? Where does that fit in? to your ultimate objectives. You're still asking that why question, but you're taking away the judgmental element of the word why. Um, Because I think all of his work is amazing and I love it, but it's getting to the crux of what it is that's important to us, what it is that makes us tick, and how we want to shine that light on the world. And unfortunately, I think sometimes using the word why dims that light because it comes with that perception of judgment. You see that silence thing that you just said, where you go, I'm on that now. I'm literally on that. That makes me feel, actually, do you know what? It actually makes me feel comforted in a way that I don't have to answer. Here's one for you. 
So I'm going to say a list of words, okay? In your mind, I always make people do this, in your mind, only transition and emotional, emotionally connect, sorry, with the word that connects with you. Are you ready? Right. So we have power, perception, culture, judgment, class, privilege, diversity, race, privilege, luck, and love. Which one of those words resonates with you enough for you to want to talk about it? Love. Go for it. So, so I think, I think love, love comes in so many different places. And yeah, I've been leading for God, 28 years this year. And when I think about the people that I've led, and when you think about having to give them feedback, particularly any feedback that might not be feedback they're going to enjoy. I know we feedback that they're going to go, yay, bring it on. This is not me at my best. This is me at the moment that she's going to tell me something I don't want to know. The thing that's got me through all of those is if I didn't love them enough that I wanted them to be the very best version of themselves, then I could get away with not telling them when they get in their own way. But as a leader, I have to love them enough to tell them the stuff that they need to know. Um, and I believe, therefore, that feedback is an act of love, same way that you do with your children. You you want other people to love them. You want them to see them as their best. When we look at the people that we work with, everybody knows the person that's getting it wrong. Everybody knows the person that's stuffing it up royally, apart from that person. The only person in the room that doesn't know that they're hopeless is the person that's hopeless because nobody tells them. They're like the one person that's not in the secret society. The secret society. <laughs> I like it. It's a moron. <laughs> like, you know, yes. And you know, um, see, like, surely if you cared, and as a leader, we're supposed to care, yeah. you'd tell them, you'd go in and say, you, you do know that this is what other people are thinking, this is what they're saying, this is what everybody's doing when you're not in the room. Not to be cruel, but to give them a chance to change that. And so I, I guess for me, feedback has always been the greatest gift of love. Because if I don't care enough about you, why would I put myself out there mm -hmm. to do the uncomfortable piece of giving you feedback that's going to help you get out of your way? Because I could just do what lots of other leaders do, which is not tell you and wait till somebody bounces you anyway. And then it's an absolute shock to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have to be involved in it because, you know, somebody else's job to do that. So so I think for me that that love is is not just about doing the things you want to do. It's about doing the difficult things, doing the uncomfortable things, doing the things that you'd really rather not do. And, yeah. and maybe it helps. You know, I had a, for, for 25 plus years, my nickname was the smiling assassin. Um. Because people would be like, you're so kind and you'd come along and, and you'd be so, um, so kind and so thoughtful and so honest with us. It wasn't until we left that we realised you'd just taken our legs out from under us by giving us really, really honest feedback. But we knew that you'd done it because you cared. We, we knew you'd done it because you wanted the best for us. And therefore, we all accepted that. So, well, I think for me, that's that's the true art of love, I think. And that's enough. Mm. That's ambiently enough. Mm -hmm. 
If there was a quote that represented who you are as a person, what quote would you choose and why would you choose that particular quote? Okay. If I can, I will be really indulgent. It is a quote I wrote for my daughter and I share it in my TEDx. And that is to be kind, to be curious, to dream big, take action and believe because you are proof that miracles happen and we are all proof that miracles happen to somebody. That is true and as beautiful as it is. What would you do differently if nobody was judging you? Because we're all constantly being judged, even as we talk about it just now. But what would you do differently, Kim, if nobody was judging you in the world? It's a really good question because I've worked really hard at not doing anything differently, whether people judge me or not. And I remember last year doing that and it was a really it's going to sound ridiculous it was a really hard thing to do and for anybody listening they're going to go Kim that was not hard and I get that for me it was really hard so as a 49 year old woman I did a no makeup wet hair selfie video talking about actually just showing up as who we are Um, and that may not seem very scary until you turn that camera on yourself and go and this is it because we because they're I worried that there was that perception. And then my reality is that perception is my own. Mm-hmm. I blame everybody else. I project it out onto everybody else. It's, the world couldn't care less what I look like. They couldn't care less what I'm doing. They're too busy dealing with their own hang-ups and their own insecurities to not worry about me in the slightest. But instead, we project ourselves to this level. And I've always said, like, you know, as long as I can... As long as I'm, and I mentioned it earlier in, earlier in our conversation, Sophia, um, as, as a woman, I have to put makeup on. I've put mascara on every day because the world doesn't need to be without it. And I've yet to learn how to do that without looking myself in the eye. So my measure in life has always been when I look at myself in the eye tomorrow, will I be ashamed of what I see? And if the answer is yes, don't do whatever it was you were thinking of doing. Um, and it's always been a good yardstick for me because I have to look at myself in the mirror every day. Um, and so I might not have loved every choice I've made in the world. I might have made mistakes. But when I've made mistakes, I've apologized for them. I've learned from them and I've done something about them. And therefore, I can still look myself in the eye and not be horrified by what I see looking back. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you felt totally at peace with yourself? Such a great question. Um, I think the last time, it's going to sound really um, cliched, but the last time is any time that I look at myself through my daughter's eyes because she has such a purity of the way she sees the world and the her that gets ref- that the me that gets reflected through her eyes is someone I've aspired to be my entire life. And if she can see it in me, then it's in there for me to see it myself. There you go. And that's enough. That's an answer for me. That is enough. <laughs> if there was one song that was the soundtrack of your life, 
what song would you choose and why would you choose that particular song? Oh, what a great question. Um, do you know, I'm, I'm torn between I Will Survive, which is some moments, and it only comes up, I, the reason it makes me want to smile is one of my friends, her her partner, um, isn't English and and they separated many many have been together for for like decades they separated many years ago and he turned around and went I will manage and it always makes me smile because it wouldn't have quite been the same anthem would it if it was I will manage (laughs) (laughs) so that one one kind of always comes in because at the moments when you're going through it I don't always feel like I'm going to survive but I usually feel like I'm going to manage um but but I but I guess for me, probably the one I'm going to have to go with is Don't Stop Believing. Oh, that's a good one. Because I think as long as we believe, <clears throat> and as long as, as long as we can focus on the art of the possible, on the fact that something could be better than this. Yeah. That this you know, I, I talk to people about this all the, all the time. We've survived 100% of the shots life's thrown at us. Yep. That's one hell of a batting average. Yep. So what makes us think we can't survive the next shot? And if we go into every day thinking we can survive it, my my grandparents gave me two bits of advice, which I love. So so my nan said, every day is a school day. Mm -hmm. So in every day we should learn. And my granddad said, live each day as if it's your last and one day you'll be right. And between the two of them, that's pretty sage advice. (laughs) So I guess it's always in that belief that there's something good on the other side of anything because if you want the rainbows, you've got to have the rain. Mm-hmm. As you said before, as you definitely said before, if you, if I was to put you on a boat, drop you off on a desert island somewhere, I'll, I'll put you somewhere nice and hot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which one president, one activist and one musician would you take to have a conversation with for 24 hours? Oh, what an amazing question. So I think I would take Franklin. Mm -hmm. I would take Rosa Parks. And I would take... I would take Ella Fitzgerald. I might come and just gate crash. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, I would just gate crash that one. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, it's it's funny. One of the stories I often share with people is one of my absolute heroines in, in life was Marilyn Monroe, and not necessarily for the reason people would expect you to do. So I don't know if you know the story of Marilyn Monroe and Ella Fitzgerald, um, but... Uh, the only way to get into to music back then was to be seen at Macumbas and she couldn't get in. And Marilyn phoned them up and said, if you book her, I will I will have a table and I will sit there every single night. And she did. So one of the reasons that Ella Fitzgerald made it um, was because Marilyn used her privilege for good, but didn't tell anybody of those things. That wasn't what she needed to be known by because it's what came from in here, yeah. not what came out here. 
Um, and I think that for me was why people like her have been have been a real inspiration, and why people like Ella Fitzgerald are real inspiration. That drive to just keep going, to believe in themselves, to push themselves through, and to tackle adversity and come out on the other side is something we can all learn from. I think. I think I was reading quite a few stories where people have actually done that. They've used their privilege to. I think one of the ladies from the Golden Girls done it as well where she yes. yes where she there was a guy that they wouldn't let into a musical or something like that i believe and she was like no hire him and i think yeah. they tried to cut the show because she used them and that's another way like you say of using your your privilege for something good and i embrace those people and i have so much respect for them because of what they do i say it's the it's the giving back isn't it i think it's um I, I always think on both sides of that coin, uh, things that go well and things that go badly, they're both the, they're, but for the grace of God go all of us. And so if we have an opportunity to reach out a hand and help somebody up, then we should do that. Yes. Because definitely. if we should ever need it, karma hopefully means it will happen for us too. See. What is the earliest experience, Kim, that you learnt that language had an abundant power in the world? Oh, probably probably very young. Um, albeit, I, I vividly remember, my, only because my friend showed it me the other day, much to my humiliation, if anybody wants to go look at it. it honestly, it looks like something out of educating Yorkshire. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a video of our last day at school when we were 15, and it's horrendous. It's like I'm in the hair... My hair makes yours look like quite small. And, and, <laughs> I mean, really, literally, it, it was It was. It was. You want to have seen it, Sabi? Um, it was nineteen eighties, full on perm. I mean, there was there was just a lot of hair, and then this little person there. Um, and I remember watching watching this video, and two things uh, struck me about it. The first was the most humiliating five minutes of my life, where one of my teachers decided that of all the people in the school he was going to sing, single me out to be one of the people that I that he talked about uh, and he talked about the fact that um, my smile would get me so far in life because I was engaging I was happy I was always willing to go and chat to people uh, but at the point that I realized that when I engaged my brain and my smile I would be unstoppable but the second was the fact that we'd gone through our schooling life and we'd not we kind of been on the periphery. So we weren't the really cool girls or the cool kids. We all, equally, we weren't the nerds. So we were just in the middle. You know, the ones that nobody really expects very much of. And it taught me the art of that sometimes because on this last day, we managed to convince our head and deputy head that they should play part in a scavenger hunt. And specifically, whichever one of them didn't win, and we were very careful, it was whichever one didn't win, um, would have to play a forfeit. Ooh. So we got them to agree to this in front of the whole school. But we were like the we were like the nondescript kids in the middle. So you know, we were clearly not going to do anything awful. And then the whole purpose of this scavenger hunt was to go and get a child out of every class so that we had somebody from the whole school turn up in the hall 
so that we could spread what we'd done like wildfire. And they'd been very clear with us that if anybody threw eggs or flour, they would not be allowed to sit their exams. Mm -hmm. So we got to the end and we were like, sirs, it was a draw. That means neither one of you won, which means both of you have to play the forfeit. And then you want to see this video, it's very horrendous, but there's this very shaky picture of me and my friend cracking an egg open on their head and then covering them in flour. <laughs> well, I still remember to this day them going, but Kim, it's a new shirt. <laughs> and me suddenly realising the power, um, one of communication from the earlier bit with a smile and the second part is in the power of people um, putting labels on you of deciding that you're going to do one thing or another thing because of their perception. Their perception was we were the nondescript kids. So we were nothing to be fearful of. And yet, as a result of that, we were the ones close enough to get the McDonald's. <laughs> um, and I apologised to my parents 28 years <laughs> I'm very sorry I've made a lot of amends in my life. <laughs> The egging, the egging the head and he did like miss it my exams so you know i'm sure he did <laughs> that's a good i wish i did that to my teachers <laughs> i'm not saying guys oh gosh no no, no, realized, no guys do don't go out and do that okay <laughs> don't go out and do that. It, it's taken nearly 30 years of, of penance to to move past it Kim, I've only got, two, I've only got two more for you. I'm just thinking of it now because I can imagine me going, Kruh. yeah. I can, I've only got two more for you, and my second to last question is, what would you like your legacy to be when you feel like you have done enough in the world? But only remember this part: only when you feel, without nobody else's judgment, that you have done enough in the world. How would you like people to remember you? Oh, that's a great question. And I would like people to feel a sense of increase because of an interaction they had with me. That is so so I've, lived, I've lived my life on the fact that we, we've all been to those meetings where you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, that was a waste of makeup. And I've always said, I don't want anybody to get to the end of an interaction with me and go, that was a waste of makeup. So my aim in life is to leave every interaction with a feeling of increase and to do my best to make each increase more impactful you've definitely done that with me today so <laughs> my no right back at you my final and last question for you kim is i would love for everyone to find out where they can find who you are what you do your positivity but more than anything else your kindness for life and the ability to change and know that it can happen, where can they find you? Oh, bless you. So kind. So you can find me at my website, which is www.authenticachievements.com. Um, or you can find me on <clears throat> most social media, either as Kimadel Randall or Kimadel 10. Um, and get in touch. I love nothing better in life than to hear somebody else's story and to be given the gift of listening so if you've got a story to share get in touch and share it 
I like that. Kim, thank you so much once again for coming on the Ask People podcast for our conversation before we did the podcast. Guys, we had a beautiful conversation before and our conversation throughout the podcast. But like, again, it's just who you are. You've been genuine and you've been absolutely just yourself. And you've told a story that I know people will connect with all over the world. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for giving me the gift of your time and for trusting me with your audience as well. I appreciate you and the people listening more than I can tell you. No, you're more than welcome. Thank you, Kim. Guys, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Ask People podcast. And please remember, you can leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play and any other platform that you prefer listening to please also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can also donate to the ask people podcast by simply going to the savvy rocks website or just typing in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast guys thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to I need a solution. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with her. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with confusion. Yeah, I'm done. I need a solution. Peace of mind, peace of mind. Gotta keep my energy and peace of mind. I protect my energy and peace of mind. Gotta keep my energy and peace of mind, peace of mind, peace of mind. People say that having a peace of mind is trying to find a consistency of calmness within ourselves to crave for a clarity that drives us through our emotional journey of life to never let a person's judgment manifest into a fear inside of us learning to believe in our ability to shine through the darkest moments and tunnels when we cannot see the light patience being our light for forgiveness and strength to believe in our destiny if you want real peace of mind one needs to stop fighting their inner thoughts and embrace them with love because love is the most amazing and beautiful strength that we have to conquer our peace of mind make your thoughts impact a nation by keeping them true and honest especially to yourself but make your peace of mind protect you when you don't have strength to embrace anything else find your peace of mind by listening to your heart peace of mind gotta keep my energy and peace of mind I thoroughly enjoyed our chat. I hope it was useful. I was having a way over time. I was like, oh, I hope it was helpful. It'd help if I got your name, the title right. Epic fail. It's been an absolute joy, my lovely. And if I can help in any way ever, um, you know where I am. And let's stay in touch. I've got a few ways we can collaborate. Peace of mind.